Hello, hello. My name is Suzanne. You can call me Zan. It is also Poe Tess. You can call me Poe. Welcome to the Poe Show. I'm happy to have you here. And if you are not actually here, I am happy you are viewing this whatever time, day, and method you may have accessed. Oh, you never believe I have a degree in English. Speaking of which has nothing to do with it, my mother is here. She is a renowned nurse, a spiritual practitioner, and a Broadway scholar. All the way from Houston, Texas. Welcome, Marsha Mom. Hello. Hello. I'm uh, glad to be here. Excellent. There will be a little bit of a, an echo. I do apologize for that. I'm not hearing it on my end, so Good. maybe they aren't. Fantastic. All right. We have Shiva. We have Karma. Hello and welcome. Uh, this will be uh, an interview. We'll start with the basics. Uh, I'm kind of referring to you as Mama Marsha, a little bit like uh, Stephen King's The Stand, where they had, what was her you name? You are the one that got me hooked on Stephen King, by the way. Oh, wonderful. But I read, not, not movies. Ah, yes, and then when you compare them, I, yeah, yeah, don't get me started. But they did do a newer version of The Stand through CBS. That was okay. Uh, Mother Abigail, that was it. All right. So let us jump right in. Uh, where did where were you born and raised? Hello, I, was, I was born in Lafayette, Indiana, and lived there and in Goodland, Indiana, till I was about 10. Um, then I went all over the place. Um, mostly California at that stage. Um, when I was about 13, my parents packed all five of us kids up and took us to Nigeria. I always wondered, I had to kind of estimate to try to figure out what period of life that was and I figured it was about high school. Yeah, I had just finished junior high when we went. Wow. In what area of California did you live and for how long? Uh, we, my dad, Hunter Smith, got called up by the Navy and he went out there when I was 10 or 10 and a half. And I can't tell you what, oh, I can too. I was 1955 or 56. And we went out there and um, lived in the San Francisco East Bay area. Um, several towns that were south of um, Oakland and Berkeley. And um, as soon as I was in um, junior high, I started hanging out at the library at Berkeley. Oh, wow. And around that time. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That is legendary. <clears throat> uh, Karma lives in Sacramento. Uh, she sometimes talks about maybe she can get me over there through San Francisco. So, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. She talks about the historical areas there, both shopping and otherwise. San Francisco is amazing. That's all I can say about it. I, I still miss it. And I get very mad when people don't call it San Francisco. Or do when the San Fran or Frisco. No, 
<laughs> yeah. Ah, speaking of uh, the siblings, how many brothers and sisters and what order were you? I am the oldest of five. My next brother down, Barry, was um, killed in an accident when he was in high school. Um, and then my sister is three years younger. And then we have a gap of 10 years. And then I have a brother and two years later, another sister. Wow. So yeah, grandparents were kind of busy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Karma says she's been to the Navy place in San Francisco. Yeah. Nice. Uh, describe your experience in Nigeria at that time. Well, it was interesting. My father um, gave up his medical practice to do a special project for the American Lutheran Church. And he, the job was to take medical services into an area where there were no medical services and the government, which was controlled by Muslims, um, would um, not allow anything by the missions in. So he put together, he figured out what was needed, came back, raised the money, put together um, a panel truck that included everything up to x-rays, um, ran off of a generator. Um, they would go into a village for about a month, park there, um, teach people basic good hygiene, things like that. If somebody turned it out to be really interested, sorry, I swear, I must have gotten some hair down my back yesterday when he trimmed it. Because oh, <laughs> this is the same sweater. Um, anyway, long story short, he um, ran that for about a year and a half, then came back to the States and kept it supplied until Boko Haram came in. And they wiped that out. Killed a bunch of people I knew and everything. Very tough. It's amazing to have the experience, though, of living there. Yes. Most of the time, I was in the city of Jos, which is um, kind of in the middle of the country. And they there were a couple of boarding schools there for missionary children. And that's where I was going to school most of my high school work was done by correspondence course, however, but we did have teachers to help us. Wonderful. Let's see. Now, I remember we had one picture. The family has one picture of uh, Grand Hunter at that time. And your side of the family is just fascinated by the uh, Scottish ancestry, actually by the entire ancestry. Yes. Hunter was a semi-professional genealogist. And I still have all of the records that he used. Um, and if I could make the scanner on my printer work the way it's supposed to, I could get it all scanned in. And eventually I will get it all scanned one way or another. And when I do that, then I will um, make that available to everybody in the family. That's wonderful. I know Barry is working on that as well. Yeah. It's remarkable. I'm going to talk quieter. 
there it is. Sometimes that goes off and on. Um, Hunter was able to gain access into Salt Lake City archives, whereas Correct. other people could not. Well, other people could, but some of the archives were limited. So the best genealogists in the world are the, are the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. And they have massive records at, at the Salt Lake City Temple area. He went there and he got there and one of the reels that he wanted to look at was marked restricted to LDS only, Latter-day Saints only. And he also subscribed to a bunch of other um, magazines and things like that. So when he came home, um, he was in touch with somebody else in the family, distant, and she had a friend who was Latter-day Saint and gave him, got him the info from that tape. And what it turns out is that one of our um, remote, not direct ancestors, but um, parallel, was both mother and daughter were married to Brigham Young. Wow, that is huge. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Karma said uh, she did the Van Gogh Art Museum in San Francisco. It's an immersive experience. Yes, they have that here in Houston going on right now, too. Oh, she highly recommends it. She went on and on on a phone call with me. It was great. Uh, she says, uh, my mother-in-law's maiden name is Hunter from Scotland. Yes. Then she's a relative. Yeah, let me do this. Let me do this. I'm going to take you off for just a minute so I can show off the background a little better. Okay. Hold on a second. All right, Karma, look. We have... The Hunter Tartan. We have uh, the Hunter Crest. So if that looks familiar, <laughs> we're freaking related, which explains a lot. Yep. And um, I will, um, if you will give me her contact information, or if she will give you permission to give me her contact information, I will send her information about Clan Hunter USA of which I am a past board member, and she can see if she wants to join or not. That connects awesome. hunters all over the country. And there is also a Facebook page of the Hunter Clan. There is. So that was wonderful. She says she grew up Mormon, and I've been to Brigham Young's house years ago in Utah. Ah, that is it awesome. had lots of bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh but i cannot hear these words without thinking of uh the broadway show book of mormon oh that's hysterical yes. that is a very well done musical and it's amazing because it was written by matt stone trey parker the guys that created south park one of them was raised mormon which is why he had what he was able to access all that information yeah. and i have at least one other friend who was raised mormon who said yeah actually some of that stuff is true so <laughs> my dad when he was in private practice almost always had a mormon nurse oh, wow. because um the first one he had, he was very, very happy with when she 
got ready to leave because she was going to have a baby. Um, she hooked him up with another Mormon nurse and they used to babysit for us sometimes um, before we went to Africa. And um, she told me a lot. And I'm probably one of not a lot of non-Mormons who's actually read the Book of Mormon. Nice. I still have to do that. Um, I also work with, uh, I talk with people from all over the world, a lot from Saudi Arabia, and they tell me good, uh, let's see, good things about, I keep thinking Torah, is that right? No. No. Why did I think Torah? That That's is Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> about the, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on that now, but yeah. All right. Carmen says she did her research on clan hunter through the Mormon church. So Good. it sounds like probably uh, Robert Van Tile says, hello, mama. <laughs> Hi, Robert. Yeah, he is a fascinating character. We have some really interesting people. Ah, so you spent a number of years in uh, 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 Nigeria. And where did you graduate high school? I graduated from San Leandro in the Bay Area. Ah, and then so I only went there one year. And then I went off to a year of college in Seattle. In Seattle. Wow. Yeah. So we're getting uh, to where all you've lived and visited in just a moment. Before that, uh, gee, what college did you go to? The first one I went to was Seattle Pacific College. Then I went to Chabot College for um, another year. And then when I got to um, Indiana through marriage, your father, um, I eventually got to Purdue University and that's where my nursing degrees are from. Ah, gotcha. Why did you decide against the first college? Um, my, my parents had come back from Nigeria. Um, money was pretty tight and so I went to work for my dad as his office manager for a year. And by then I'd lost all connection to the college. So I gotcha. Let's see. Karma says, I've read the Book of Mormon front to back. And Robert Van Tile says, I got missionaries visiting the past few years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it happens. All right. So Wow, we've got just a taste of it. So where all have you lived and where all have you visited? I have been in um, 10 countries in Europe, including England. However, I was not able to make it to Scotland because my brother decided to have an emergency appendectomy while he was in um, Holland. And we ran out of time. And we <laughs> ran out of time. So I've never been to Scotland. Um, if this COVID stuff ever settles down, even if I have to go just by myself, I'm going. Yeah. I imagine the hostels are nice if necessary. That's where I was planning on. Yeah. I can hostel with the best of them. <laughs> I imagine. I, I probably won't look like I fit in because I'm significantly older than most hostel yeah. people. That's a good point. No worries. All right. So do you remember what the other countries were? 
Italy, Italy, Switzerland, Germany, uh, Denmark, Norway, not Norway, Sweden, um, Holland, um, Belgium, France, England. Wow. So you had a good deal to talk about with Ryan's wife, Suzanne. Yes. Now, he Dutch or Nor Norwegian? She's Norwegian. Ah, However, what I have done is, as I've looked at, um, I've done um, ancestry, and I discovered that we have um, not only Scottish blood, but um, Scandinavian, and they say that the Vikings came down the west coast of Scotland, and Vikings tended to stop where they were and um, stay there for a while, and what usually happens, happened. So there is quite a bit of um, Scandinavian blood from the Vikings. Fascinating. Uh, I have a local friend who is a Norse type person. So I have been creating little soaps and chocolates that are runes. So I'm learning about the runes. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, I did uh, the 23andMe, uh, thanks to my half-sister. And I'm mostly Irish with the Scottish, with a little bit of uh, British and a tiny bit of French and German. Yeah, the German comes from your... Um mother's side of the, my, your grandmother's side of the family, uh, because they were Pennsylvania Dutch, and Pennsylvania Dutch were the people that migrated from Germany. Ah, yeah, I was wondering, how could I be these things and German? I'm still stuck on certain historical events, so it's concerning. That's from, that's from, um, um, Grand Bonnie. Ah, and is the Irish on dad's side then? The Scots were, parts of the Scots were sent, displaced during, they decided to turn Scotland into a bunch of sheep farms. They displaced the crofters and a lot of them migrated to Ireland. I gotcha. So that's where the Irish comes in. All right, excellent. I got to catch up on the notes. All right, uh, Karma says, let's all go to Scotland. Uh, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. She says, my ancestors came from Scotland and I am Native American. Robert Van Tile is Dutch. Karma says, Vikings also came to the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, Robert Van Tile says, French, English, Irish. Oh, I'm going to screw this one up, dude. I'm so sorry. Ojibwe? And Blackfoot, ay, 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 and Karma's also Blackfoot. Ooh. Wow. See, these are fascinating people. Uh, Robert yes, Kyle says Leif Erikson to Newfoundland. Yes, way, even before Leif Erikson, um, there is evidence now in archeology span that they were here even before that. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. Yeah, my family knows their histories. Uh, Katie has a question that we will save. She wants to know about me, and I'm going to go hide in a minute. Uh, no, no, this show is about uh, Mama Marsha. <laughs> uh, before next question, Robert says, I was in the nor northern Midwest 
the people there told me the Vikings were there also. Yes, he is absolutely correct. Art, had I not ended up in nursing and had I gone to a regular high school, et cetera, I probably would have ended up trying to be an archaeologist. So ah. I still um, subscribe to the Journal of American Archaeology and and National Geographic. Um, I'm pretty much, I was drowning in magazines. Mm -hmm. So I've stopped National Geographic, but I'm keeping Nat Geo history. Ah, nice. I got you. I remember uh, being up in my bunk bed and having the National Geographic magazines with me. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, now you talk about your nursing. With what populations have you worked? Well, when I first got out of school, I started out um, as an OB-GYN nurse. And um, I did that for a while. Um, then I was in a horrible automobile accident, gave me PTSD and a bunch of other problems. And um, eventually um, I got into uh, working in nursing homes and um, fairly shortly after that, I became a director of nursing for a facility in Southern Indiana at French Lick, which has a lot of historical background. Um, Al Capone used to bring hooch down there. I talked to someone who had once driven, had to drive him home. He had, Capone had two different gas tanks. And the one that was high test was what he used to bring alcohol down to them. Oh, that's clever. I always thought that Terre Haute had that kind of reputation. Yes, it did, but French Lick even more so. It was a um, spa. It had train lines coming in from all over the country, movie stars and everybody would come to take the waters. Oh, yeah. I remember about trains. What was it? It was Billy the Kid or someone who said they would never rob a bank in Terre Haute because you can never trust the trains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and French Lick is still a rich bit area. Yes. <laughs> I'll yes. Put it that way. I remember uh, Lamaze classes in the house. Yes. Um, before I went back to nursing school, I had both you and your brother were very, very, very late. And back then we didn't have kinds of testing and so forth. So the doctors just kept trying to make sure that everything was okay, but just kept letting it go. And you were three and a half weeks late, my dear. And I think I was 10 pounds, I was a big one. Uh, nine pounds, 10 ounces, yes. Yeah, and, I am. <laughs> and, um, because of that, I'd taken the Lamaze class, but back then you didn't have to be a nurse to teach it. And so my instructor kept having me come back just to keep primed. And by the time after doing it with your brother and then with you, I had it down and she said, she said, you know, you could teach this. And then my doctor said, you need to learn it so you can teach it. So I did. Um, and I would do some classes at home and I would um, 
sometimes take a group class where there were like two or three couples over in um, another town and and drive over there and do them. I think my subconscious has images of the videos burned in the back of my mind. I'm not even going there. <laughs> not even going there. Uh, Karma says she understands about car accidents. This last year she had two. Living oh. in Sacramento, there's like this death curve because uh, they're making Sacramento roads like the roads in L.A. now. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Robert Van Tile was in a coma for six weeks at 10 years old from a car accident. So they can sympathize. Yes. Karma says her grandmother met Bonnie and Clyde and Robert Van Tile says he hear, he heard that they uh, came through Arkansas. Oh. So, yeah, they can talk about anything. It's amazing. All right. Yeah. So we had the OBGYN experience. Then what else? Then I went to French Lick and, and became a, they decided they wanted me for director of nursing. And when we moved to Texas, um, I took over a lar much larger nursing home. And um, then I came up to um, the Houston area and got a larger nursing home still as director of nursing, totally turned both of those facilities around um, because they were not good facilities. And eventually I got a job as a mobile corporate director of nursing for a nursing home chain. And I would go in and fix broken nursing homes. Very nice. Now, and then yeah. after that, um, I, when I, I did one brief time as a um, as a uh, case manager in a hospital, but then after that, I hang on. I got to take a quick break, James. It's on the it, it's on the little divider right by the front door middle shelf so um but that case management stood me in very good stead over the years after that and the the um work that i got into then was addictions nursing and i got into that because i remember i said i had ptsd well there weren't any good meds back then that they could use for PTSD. So I self-treated with alcohol. And uh, eventually I quit, um, got active in a recovery group. And um, at one point I was the only certified addictions RN between here and San Antonio, which is four hours away, and between here and Dallas. Wow. So that is really surprising. I loved um, doing detox because I had an understanding of what people were going through and was able to um, 
help help them understand that they were going to be okay. Yeah. It is interesting because you and I both kind of worked. Uh, mine was, that was medium security male prison as addiction recovery specialist. But yeah. you raised me with uh, Alateen and Al-Anon. So I knew all the stuff. Yes, you did. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is old hat. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> uh let's see glad to have been of use my dear oh yeah and such a unique uh population yeah. uh real quick uh robert van tile lived in La lampasas texas i know where it is i've never been there ah karma's sister lives in texas uh she says wow that's amazing you've done so much uh robert van tile lives in little rock arkansas now oh cool and I've Karma, through it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've been there myself. Uh, I have been, I have driven through at one time or another, every one of the lower 48 states. Wow. I've been to a few. Um, I remember most recent stuff is, of course, Texas, Florida, uh, Louisiana, and everything between here and Louisiana. Uh, let's see. Karma says uh, she does have childhood PTSD, um, so she understands the different uh, therapeutic methods that are used in dealing with that, uh, mm -hmm. even outside of the medication, because just medication or just therapy is often not fully effective. No, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. What what advice Oh, hello, Gary Miles. Gary Miles says, I've eaten at a Texas bar. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't? Yeah. Uh, what advice would you have for family dealing with someone with PTSD and or addiction? If it's an addiction, go to Al-Anon. Um, even if the addiction is to drugs, go to Al-Anon if they're, if they're real rigid about it when you're in the meetings just tell them that out that the drug that your people are using is includes alcohol and they'll they'll be good with you um once in a while you get some of the old timers that that really have a problem if you're on drugs but everybody that has a an addiction to drugs also abuses alcohol. So you're good at Al-Anon. And they have the best track record for dealing with that kind of, helping you deal yourself with that kind of a thing. The um, PTSD is find a good psychiatrist who can help you with the medication and refer you to the appropriate groups. A lot of the time, um, you may end up having to see a social worker to get that information, but it's really hard to sort those out on your own. Um, if nothing else, contact your local mental health authority and ask them for referrals. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, for Karma, I know she worked with a group and she has started her yoga up again. Uh, she hasn't missed a day since the first day of the new year. Feeling Yay. better uh, so far and stronger. Excellent. Uh, I just remembered we have the pictures. Hee hee hee. So I'm a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Is it showing? Good. When was this? That was my high school graduation picture. And I was always really frustrated with it because um, I had had my hair done the day before and coming home from having it done, it started raining. And so I ended up frizzy anyway. Ah, but you can't tell. It looks lovely disheveled. <laughs> yeah, well, lovely disheveled was not a thing back then. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, this one is a little bit, little bit later. This was um, when I was still living in Indianapolis. One of the things that I would do is at Christmas and Thanksgiving, I would make everybody get dressed up in formals if they had them or some other kind of really fancy dress. And we would do a formal type sit down dinner. Yeah. I will not mention who those other people are. La la, moving along. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the whole crowd. Um, I'm the one with my hand on Suzanne's shoulder. Um, next to me, or next to Suzanne, is my baby sister. It's my parents in the front. My other sister is down there on the floor. Um, my brother is next to the lady in turquoise who is one of your cousins oh, yes. um, and i can't see all the guys in the back row <laughs> oh no uh let's see ryan and suzanne are in the back row uh, uh ba -ba -ba. heather's husband is back there uh and my big brother barry is on your other side yes and barry and was i named, named after. I named Barry after my brother that was killed. Yeah. And Barry is freaking brilliant. He's uh, fairly, fairly left-brained, but it's pretty cool. Uh, let me see. And Actually, he does both because he got enough into music that he developed his right brain also. Yeah, and he got into uh, his own spiritualism. That is fantastic. Yes. For the longest time, he was mostly technology. So it's yeah. Good. This is me with my baby sister. Um, we were down visiting my parents. Um, I think I show my age more there. <laughs> but it's a fantastic top. You two blend together wonderfully. Thank you. Yeah, speaking of clothes. Yes, well, um, my alter personality is... Um, the mentor for Elphaba. And I do a lot of Halloween stuff. Um, I go to nursing homes and assisted livings and do um, shows any place from 15 to 45 minutes. Um, everything from which, which, where do you fly? Under the clouds and over the sky. Which, which, what do you eat? Little black apples from down the street, all the way up to boil, boil from Macbeth. Yes, so yes. I've, 
I do a lot of different witchy things. Nice. And this was at my wedding. Yes. Yeah, it's a tiny little building thing. And here, oh, speaking of which. Oh, speaking of which, you'll love this. I still have the table decor with the little bottle with the chocolate rose. Oh, that's wonderful. I think we might still have a little bit of that as well. That was 06. Yep. There she is. Yes, that's me, though my costume is now much better. I've, I keep improving on it every year. And I use professional stage makeup, MAC, um, and I follow most of the directions from um, the Grimmery, which was published along to go along with um, Wicked, the musical. That is fantastic. <laughs> And if the audience will look at uh, the post I put in the lion before the show, it does include the song Defying Gravity from the musical Wicked. Yes. I made sure to. One of my favorites. Yes. Speaking of musicals, I took somebody to Hamilton. Ah, flew me all the way. And I tell them this like every other episode. Uh, flew me all the way from here to Houston. Uh, I got to see Hamilton. It was not the original Broadway cast, but I know that the original Broadway cast actually uh, passes approval on every other cast that performs. Exactly. And I think uh, the first day or two, one of those days, we went to the Curio Shop Wild Collection, which yes. is my favorite place in the entire world. I know it burned. It burned. It burned. It, they are working on bringing it back, but it burned. I know. Um, so sad. The other place we took you was the Funeral Museum. Yes, and that was fantastic. I know it sounds very sad, but it's fascinating. They had uh, the carriages, the hearses uh, from so long, so much history. They had a little section on celebrity deaths, another section on uh, political deaths. Um, and How just, a Pope is Buried. Uh, yeah. That was fascinating. Yeah, and the pomp and circumstance and just beautiful stuff and all these dioramas. And I have so many pictures. I mean, I could do a show on the Wild Collection. I could do a show on uh, yeah. that funeral museum. We also They've added the another section now yeah. that also includes the details about how a cremation is done. Oh, nice. I need to uh, catch up on the chat. Uh, Carmen says, I don't drink, but I do exercise and take legal medicine. I do counseling as well. Robert Van Tile, I tried meds, group therapy, and a shrink for 20 years. Um, he hasn't had alcohol since two and a half years ago. Good. Karma loves the pictures. Uh, there is discussion about uh, weed and how it may assist with PTSD. I know that uh, large universities are doing research on that as yeah. well as magic mushrooms uh tiles and, and lsd and lsd wow i did that once just once and odd i never had the nerve <laughs> i did when I, was, no Asians. when I was young i was scared it would screw up my genes and and mess up my kids and when i was past that stage and the kids were grown um I didn't have access anymore. 
I knew I had this one opportunity that presented itself and I had read Go Ask Alice. Oh. So I knew the possibility. And I was actually disappointed in my experience. <laughs> I was like, okay, so that's what it was. I did it. I'm done. So yeah. <laughs> meh. Uh, Tyle says, I've been in a few assisted living facilities. Um, uh, Audra Ray, I hope I pronounced that correctly. It says, you look beautiful. Karma loves the pictures. And Karma loves the painting behind you, mother. Oh, yes. Um, that was one that my, my husband has a um, deep love for music in minor keys, um, particularly one number. And he got this painting. It's a Jacle. Uh, because it reminded him of some music. It reminds me of the oracles. Yeah, it it has a specific name, but I prefer not to use that because this way people can see what they see, not not what they preconceive. Yeah, almost like a Rorschach. Yes, I gotcha. Uh... Yeah, uh, Robert agrees that acid is not for him. Yeah. Uh, oh, so much time. Oh, you also worked at what was not a hospice. During the time of the AIDS quilt. Oh, oh, AIDS. Yes, I, uh, I opened the first, as director of nursing at the first nursing home for people with AIDS in Indianapolis, the first one in the state and only number four in the country. Wow. And I know but it's exhausting. They, they put a lot of work and effort into it to make it because back then people were going on ventilators. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got up and running, they'd come up with new therapies and they didn't need it. Wow. So, but it was fun. And I was a grief counselor when the quilt was still in one, one, section and came through Indianapolis. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that. Uh, let's see. So related to that, in dealing with things like that, how would you describe your spiritual journey? Um, it's been very much a yo-yo, like a lot of people. Um, I, I started out in a couple of different churches that my parents were connected with um, that did not meet my needs, kind of eventually went out on my own. And then after I moved to Texas, I came back to the Episcopal Church. Um, there is a theologian by the name of Morton Kelsey, who is Episcopalian, but teaches at, um, or taught at Notre Dame. He wrote a book called The Other Side of Silence. And in it, he says that people who are ENFPs, which I am, um, need a structured worship to keep their focus. Otherwise they're pinging around all over the place and don't do well. So, um, but the big thing in the Episcopal Church that keeps me centered is music. Um, the church choir I am in right now could probably be called semi-professional because 
more than half of the people in the choir are master's level opera trained. Wow. And our choir director um, has a master's both in choral direction and in opera. Mm -hmm. And she makes us work. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, you do remind me a lot now of Bonnie in that way. Yes. My mother, when she was, um, after Hunter retired, got, and they moved to Florida, got into an amazingly good um, choir and went to the North Florida Women's Chorus, and they toured um, Europe several times. My dad went along, he said he was the luggage carrier, um, but the the interesting thing about that is that actually even though that choir was very good excellent um the choir i'm in is even a higher standard because uh, of the all of the opera background and we're doing tonight we're doing some video recordings excellent when they're available i will let you know Wonderful. Speaking of musical, we have touched on that. We touched on Wicked and Hamilton. I'm not going to get started on Hamilton. So in your <laughs> opinion, because uh, that'd be the rest of the day, uh, what are the best and worst Broadway shows ever? Um, I don't know about the worst because I, I try and watch what's going on and avoid them. Um, but I would say, and here's where my husband's influence comes in, Jekyll and Hyde is very good. It's worth, not the more modern versions, but closer to the original. Um, the more modern version, they get all caught up in the technology and have kind of lost the story. But if you listen to what they're talking about, singing about, there's some depth in that one. Same thing is true, surprisingly, of Wicked. Um, the other one, now when it comes to plays, my favorite in all the world is one called Proof. And it's about a woman who spends her time talking to her mathematical um, father, which is where the proof comes in. And... Um, it's an extremely well done play. Um, they believe they made either a special for TV or a movie out of it. Wow, proof. And so that's, that comes very close to being my top play, uh, apart from Shakespeare. You don't even put him in the combination. The other, um, the other musical, um, I don't know. It's hard to pick a favorite. There are just so many good ones out there. We are lucky enough to live in a large enough city that we get um, a lot of a lot of uh, musicals and theater here. Um, one of our theaters here that we always have season tickets to 
is called um, the Alley Theater, and it is actually considered off-Broadway. Nice. A lot of shows go here to New York, from here to New York. Um, one of the ones um, that, they, they have a thing every year called um, Broadway All New, and it's actually a multi-weekend workshop for playwrights to bring their works. Sometimes you just get a reading, sometimes you get a minimal set production, but you begin to get a sense of, of the shows. The authors then go off and work them. If you get the opportunity to see a show called American with a K-I-N, it is amazing and it talks about all kinds of things like racial prejudice, stuff like that. Um, they, we go to those every year. Well, we didn't this last two years because of COVID, but um, it's, it's one of our favorite things to do. And we've seen a couple there that have gone on to Broadway whose names I can't remember. Ah, that's wonderful. Uh, that reminds me a bit of what they have out now. I think it's Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom, about Jonathan Larson creation of Rent. Yes. That was yes. so well done. Ah, yes. have you watched it? No, I haven't seen it. We don't have Netflix, but. I will find a way. <clears throat> Uh, because Lin-Manuel was responsible for a lot of the writing. It stars Andrew Garfield, who has come a long way since Spider-Man. I'm not going to do any other related Spider-Man spoilers. Uh, and there is one part that has cameos. And I was just like, I guess I know Broadway is. There's, uh, uh, and there's, and, and, <laughs> they got her, you know. <laughs> oh, I know the other one that goes up there at the top of my list. Les Mis. Les Mis? Nice. Les Miserables. Yeah, I still love Into the Woods. They never oh, get I love an that ugly one guy. Too. Never an ugly guy in there. Let me tell you. Do you remember the time mm -hmm. we were in Indianapolis and I took you and I heard somebody had gotten hurt backstage, and um, at that point your brother was still working on his degree, but um, he stepped in and did follow spot for them without any rehearsals or anything. Yeah, there was not. And I didn't even refund the price of the ticket. Ah, uh, but we did get to go backstage. I remember yes, that. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And I was trying not to drool over whoever I think it was the wolf. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I love Into the Woods. Yeah. I don't think um, it is as... I don't think it has as much depth, but it's got some depth. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra cannot stand Sondheim. Uh, says this that. This isn't wild. My husband isn't wild about him either. Yeah, it's just you're taking everyday stuff that should just be talked about and you're just setting it to music about absolutely nothing. I'm walking down the street. Oh, look, there's a dog. You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> it's not good. Sondheim. No. Uh, Audrey, uh, I'm going to ruin the name. I apologize again. Audrey Ray says, I love what you say about your church choir. 
I sang for an Episcopal church in Philadelphia while studying voice at Temple. So glad you Ooh. bring up the memory. So thank you. And Karma loves Into the Woods as well. Good. Yes. All right. So in Houston, uh, during the time of COVID, during the time of these incredible storms over the years, how have you been using your skills? Okay. Um, Harvey was the big one. And <clears throat> um, with COVID, excuse me a minute. Oh, go ahead. With COVID, my trick has been just to um, answer people's questions. I can't, I have kept up on the medical side of the research. Um, Dr. Peter Hotez is here. He's wonderful. Um, I put him probably second only to um, Dr. Fauci as far as expertise. He he put an article in the paper the other day saying um, Biden was bragging about how we've sent 300 million doses of vaccine. He, Hotez says, that's a drop in the bucket. We need to put about that many billion doses in the Southern Hemisphere because that's where our variants are coming from. Ah, Southern Hemisphere, as in? South America, Africa, all over there. He has developed an inexpensive, um, he and his team have developed an inexpensive, um, not to, not, doesn't have to be kept cold and that kind of stuff, um, vaccine that they are letting other countries license not have to go through all the not pay any any extra for it they get it for free how to make it that kind of thing wow it is just so strange it's hard to keep up with i remember uh talking to a friend of mine he also uh teaches uh children in china online he is a british man who is living in peru and mm -hmm. he talked about when uh, the COVID first started and uh, it was just, it's amazing speaking with people around the world, hearing their experiences and how it's impacted their life mm -hmm. and how they are responding to how their government is dealing with it. Yes. The other, the other, um, the other thing is when I saw it, when I first started hearing reports of it and how fast it was spreading, um, my husband has lung disease, um, COPD, emphysema, asthma, sleep apnea, the whole nine yards. So um, I put, I, I clamped down early on. No, we're not going there. No, we're not going to do this. And he started calling me Nurse Ratched. Mm. He even got me a coffee cup that says it. But because of that, I could see it was going to be bad, and I I took precautions, and I kept everybody, and I, I told my neighbors that's how I felt about it, and I proved right. Um, and so we, neither one of us, were, were all vaccined and boosted, 
to the max, but we also have um, not had any COVID at all. <laughs> Same here. Um, Knock on wood. Yeah. Today is Cassandra's birthday and happy she, birthday. Uh, she couldn't get the day off because so many people are out because of the COVID because yeah. so many people are like, and it's not so much an issue with, I don't believe it works. It's they're upset. It's mandated. It's the yes. idea of the thing. Well, the Supreme court just knocked that down. Ah, okay. So that could be a but, relief for some, but yeah, choose for yourself. Don't decide yeah. just because, well, I'm against the mandate, blah, blah, blah. Do decide for yourself. Talk to your yeah. doctor. D decide for yourself. Better yet, talk to your nurse because they'll spend more time with you. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> so, so long story short, the other thing is the neighborhood I live in has been flooded three times. Um, the two years prior to Harvey, um, we had what was called the tax day flood and the um, the tax day flood and the Memorial Day flood. And the bios over here overflowed. But with, and it, the water came up into our yard. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd help people out where I could. Mostly with those two, when people I knew got flooded, I was helping uh, sanitize things because I have a super washing machine. Mm. However, when Harvey hit, it got this close to our front door. Um, we did not flood, but the kind of water you get from flooding is horrible, nasty. I have waders that I would use if we had to go out and flood water. And you uh, often did to help other people. I did it after, uh, not during the flood, but after I put together a wagon full of first aid supplies so I could clean cuts and things like that, waterproof bandages for them. And as I walked around, I told, you know, People are having to tear out all their drywall. You got to get everything open so it'll dry. And as I was going around, I was also educating people. This is what you have to do if you get a cut. You have to wash it with soap and water. You have to put triple antibiotic ointment on it. And I was passing out small amounts of everything. You have to use a waterproof bandage. If you can get long gloves, wear them. If you can't get long gloves, wear short gloves. But protect yourself. And one of the houses I got to where people were doing that, um, the guy came out and I asked if anybody had had any injuries or anything like that. And he said, no, and I'm a doctor. And he said, what are you doing? And I explained and he said, well, I'm an infectious disease doctor. And you are doing the most important thing I've ever seen anybody do like this. So now I have an even better, because um, the flood zone is still here, even though they've been working on the drainage. The flood zone is still here, and I have a better wagon that's not so hard to pull, and I have a lot more supplies, and I could cover a lot more territory. And I 
have taken a course in medical Spanish now because most, a lot of the people doing the work were Hispanic and unless I could find somebody that spoke English, I couldn't explain. Yeah, I got you. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, catching up on the chat, uh, Robert says, I lived in the woods for the last two years of my college career. Uh, Robert, I highly suggest the book and or movie Into the Wild. Uh, talks about a boy who graduated very well in college. And instead of going into this great career, he uh, traveled around trying to get to Canada. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, but it's a true story. Uh, Robert saw a fiddler on the roof in Germany. Says, Ooh, I'm jealous. Yeah, a Russian guy did a backflip back flip off a table. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Karma says, uh, kept her son Leo home from school because so many people have it at this school. Parents are sending their kids to school sick. Um, she wonders, did you experience the big freeze in Texas? She thinks it was 2020. Uh, yeah, it was, it was actually, it was 2021 wow. last year. Oh. And, um, we were without power for about five days. Um, I had had surgery in, I'd had a hip replacement in November. And so still had somewhat limited mobility. Um, we, it was horrible. Um, we both put on everything we owned. I have now bought a whole bunch of heavier wear clothing. Um, I thought I'd never need it again after I moved to Texas, but um, our, our beautiful willow oak in the backyard now looks like a stick. We're trying to save it. We've cleaned off all the dead stuff. Um, and this spring, they're going to come do a massive root feeding. Um, so far, it's hanging on. Good, good. But my, the rest of my backyard um, also pretty much devastated. And because I had another hip replacement in March last year, um, I had the first hip replacement in November. The freeze was in February. And then I had another hip replacement on the other side in March. And so I kind of just had to let the backyard go back to nature. Yeah. yeah. So that's this year's project. Oh, yeah. Take your time. Definitely take your time. Uh, Robert said there's a big freeze in Arkansas in 1983 when it got 14 below. It says, Ooh. yes, Texas does get ice. And Katie. Katie said she was joking. I don't know if Katie's even still in the audience right now. But let me find her question from before. She asked it twice, but we had uh, the questions to go over. So, so what was your experience dealing with Suzanne growing up? <laughs> young and she got my real name right well done yeah um <laughs> suzanne was was a very lovable baby she she was good as gold and then it all went wrong right no but, <laughs> but her developmental she was not meeting her developmental milestones so i went to my pediatrician who says, oh, you're just unhappy because she's not as brilliant as her brother. 
Well, that's a bunch of baloney. Um, she is as brilliant in her own way as her brother. So, um, but she did, she was de developmentally challenged. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what was going on, how to get her the help she needed. I was held um, back in kindergarten for my handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually I found out through a patient that I was helping in home care while I was working on my bachelor's in nursing. And it was, um, I found her diagnosis under the muscular dystrophy umbrella. Um, I referred myself to them and um, they normally only took referrals from doctors. But when they heard the story and that my doctor was brushing me off, they said, okay. And um, they, they looked at her, tested her, did all kinds of testing. And um, she was diagnosed with benign congenital hypotonia. And the doctor came in after they finished the testing and said, Marsha, I'm confirming your diagnosis. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. I remember uh, frequent visits to Indianapolis Hospital. Uh, I remember so many checkups. And when I was little, I got to choose from a bin full of toys and I chose the golf set. And as a tween, I wore uh, walking casts for a year, walking braces for a year, because the quack wore the braces for longer than that. Ah, because the quack doctors, when I was younger, said, "Oh, she walks. Uh, what was it, penguin foot? Yeah. Then have her walk pigeon foot each day for a few hours. Really, really? No. <laughs> so the kids at school." Um, gave you a really hard time. And I said, I did what I could, but I couldn't fix that. And it ended up giving you, that is when you went from being an extrovert to an introvert. Yeah, now, now I'm INFP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it lasted for years and years and years and years and years. <clears throat> and uh, when I was very little, uh, you want the background, Katie? I'll give it to you. Uh, shoplifting in order yeah. to get them to leave me alone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. But um, they kind of let you off the hook after scaring you to death. Yeah. And then I didn't do it again for years. And then I did it one more time and then got caught again and haven't done it since. Oh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was uh, Indianapolis. Uh, when I was East Indianapolis, I was hanging out with role play gamers. Uh, and Nancy went with me. Nancy uh, didn't know what she was doing. No. And she tried to she tried to exit the entrance. And I'm like, you <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not trying to tell you how to shoplift, but please. Anyway, <laughs> but it's amazing how. Of something physical that you cannot control can affect your entire personality, and that in turn can also affect your mental health in general. Right. 
because a lot of what I have I'm learning is a little bit hereditary. Um, mm -hmm. Like I think Andrea and I share some things, but yes. a lot of it, it's the nature nurture all over again. Yeah, I did the best I could with what I had, mm -hmm. but I also have problems as a single parent. And I was back then, nurses did not get paid all that well. And had beepers, were on call 24 seven. Correct. Yeah. So I did the best I could, but I couldn't do everything. And uh, I was talking with a Korean student who lives in Canada right now, and she was talking about the incidents of truancy. So I told her my story. I told mm -hmm. her, you know, in high school, I was truant as all heck. And I was placed in a boarding school. And it's because of that boarding school that I ended up getting three degrees. Yes. So it's all about what opportunities you're presented with. And if you're not presented with opportunities, making the best of whatever situation that you're in. The hardest part of having you at that school was the first month because they would not let us talk to each other. And it was horrible for me. And I had yeah. attitude. Oh my God, ever since dealing with Cassandra on hormones and the audience knows about Cassandra, <laughs> as soon as she got on the hormones and started having those mood swings, I called you and dad and I apologized for being <laughs> such a little, I'm gonna say it for being such a little bitch. <laughs> That's all right. That I, understood. I, I, I understood where it was coming from. I just was sorry I couldn't help. Ah, no worries, but I had no idea. And but yeah. I, will I will tell you this. I have had a chance to be an adolescent addiction specialist, nice. and I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, today, it was hard enough when I was. And imagining the kids today, I no, just deal you. with them on the screen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. All right, you guys are fantastic. Uh, Robert says, I walk like that for uh, better stability. Uh, that was previously, <laughs> and uh, Katie is laughing. Uh, and, oh, there is one more thing. I know it's getting close to that time. So, I almost said sketch. Cassandra's birthday is today. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. And something, something is happening on Saturday. <laughs> happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday mama marcia happy birthday to you i said that so the the audience could join in in their homes thank you <laughs> i even have the little effect i got the i, I love, saw that you know i love fireworks uh i can do all kinds of things I, I wish I could send them on me, and I'm glad you don't like Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I will tell people that not to be afraid of getting old, just keep your attitude. So pretend you're still 16 or something. I am, um, I have arthritis that I inherited. Um, I've had it since I was 16 and I made up my mind I was not going to let it stop me um so for those of you who are curious I'll be 77 on Saturday I was going to say 65 
No. <laughs> 77. Dad had to remind me about him, too. 79. Yeah. Uh, his mobility. But his mind is back. Uh, Karma yeah. says she has polyarthritis, so she understands. Uh, Katie says, thank you for sharing. Katie and Karma both say happy birthday. And, hmm. So with arthritis, is that why my hips get sore when I sleep or I just sleep too much? No, that's why your hips get sore when you sleep. Ah, so I need to look into that and lots of calcium and fish oil. Lots of calcium. I know you're going to hate me, mm. but you need to get exercise. Walking will help that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, reason, the reason is that synovial fluid fills the joints okay what happens when you get arthritis in a joint like that is if you're not using it your body is not producing synovial synovial fluid and that acts as the oil so the pain goes up the synovial fluid is not acting as a cushion so the the deterioration goes faster. Gotcha. So exercise right before and right after bed. Right. Anytime. Anytime. Just walking. It'll, yeah. it'll go for all day. You don't have to walk a long time. If you have trouble, one of the things that I use is when I'm trying to keep going is I use walking sticks. Oh, yeah. Like, like skiers, when I use them around here, everybody thinks I'm getting ready to go skiing. Nah, I just use it for stability. Having had two hip replacements less than five, five and a half months apart, um, I still have got not got all my stability back. And I still can't ride a bike. All my muscle memory has gone because of what they did. So I'm, I now have a new bike. Well, new used. I played your trick and got it at the uh, um, secondhand store, Goodwill. Pawn, pawn shop. And I even got a matching helmet and I can't ride the damn thing. I never learned. I still you haven't learned. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking for some adult um, training wheels. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, Shiloh says, I'm not flat. I'm not fat, just fluffy. <laughs> that's I didn't Gabriel. Say anybody was fat. Oh no, that's Gabriel Iglesias, uh, a Mexican. Oh. I believe he's Mexican. Uh, comedian, great yeah. stuff. I know you got to go, so I'll do my little exit thingy. Uh, go ahead, stay with me uh, when I go ahead and end the broadcast. So everyone, thank you for joining today. Be good to yourselves and each other. And when all else fails, have a little bit of chocolate and take a nap. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Talk to you later.